Welcome to the Inspire Church Podcast. We hope this message will equip and empower you to reach your God-given potential. Inspire Church is all about loving God, loving people, and inspiring our world. Visit inspirechurch.com.au for more information. I'd love you to turn to the Bible tonight and 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, it says this, For God brought you with a high price. So you must honor him with your body. See, God brought us with a price. It cost him his son, his son Jesus, who died on the cross for you and I, so that we could have a relationship with him. He died on the cross for us. He took every one of our mistakes that have passed. He took every one of our mistakes that are current. He took any one of our mistakes that are in the future and still to come. He took every one of our mistakes upon himself because he loves you. Because he has a plan for your life. Because when he looks at you, he sees his son or his daughter whom he made in his image who are destined for greatness. And God said to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to go down on the earth and I want you to die on the cross because somebody needs to pay the price for my people whom I love. The price was huge. It cost so much to take a hold of of us, it costs so much for us to be able today to be able to stand in a relationship with Jesus saved by grace. He did it at such a high cost. But the question is, is that he doesn't want us now that we're saved, now that we can come into a relationship with him. Yes, God's grace is there. But it's God's grace is his enabling power that enables us to walk out of the struggles and the difficulties and the things that we have and into the plans and the promises that God has for you and I. You see, God's destiny for us is not that we would remain the same. It's not that we would continue to do the things that we've struggled with. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Why? Because we're human. But God's destiny for us is that we'd continue to allow Him to invade every part of who we are. Every part, not some of it. Not just the good parts, but every part. God wants to invade every part of who we are. So that then we can allow him to change our world from the inside out so that we can start to be more and more like him. So that when we walk, we're starting to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. You see, earlier this year, I felt God really challenged me about a certain area in my life that I wasn't uh, completely bringing honor to his name. And, and, And I've been here for two and a half years and I felt like, you know, you've really embraced me. You've looked past the fact that I'm a New Zealander. And you've embraced me anyway, so I feel like there's a lot of grace here tonight. And so I feel like I can be a little bit honest with you. Is that okay? Is it all right if I share one of my weaknesses, one of my struggles? We all know I'm not perfect anyway, so, you know, let me just be a little bit honest with you tonight. Earlier in the year, I felt God really challenged me. I've been um, probably uh, for about four seasons now, we've uh, created a basketball team. And uh, it's full of all church guys, a lot of our youth leaders and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm the Steph Curry in the team. And uh, <laughs> jokes, but uh, <laughs> I want to be anyway. And, um, and I'm, a, I'm a very competitive person. I'm very competitive by nature. I don't like to lose. I like to give it all. I like to leave it all out there on the court or out in the field or whatever sport it is that I'm playing. And so, but the problem with that is that I have this tendency to get a little bit fired up at times. And uh, again, I think maybe it's because I'm a New Zealander. We like to scrap it out at times. And, uh, you know, and so uh, I, was fi- I was finding myself over the last, not the last two, but the two seasons before, which were earlier in the year and the back end of last year, I found myself getting what was called a technical foul a few times, and, uh, which is basically when you're arguing with the ref and stuff like that, and, and, and uh, I know, right? Naughty. 
Because, see, I was getting a little bit frustrated and I was, I, was, I was questioning whether or not the ref actually knew how to ref games at times. I thought I knew better. And I, and I felt it, you know, felt God give me the grace to tell him that. And, uh, and so I would tell the ref that, you know, the way you're doing it is not right. And I'd have a little bit of a, little bit of a dig at him and stuff like that. And he would tee me up and, and then a game would go by and the next game it was fine. Game after that, the same thing would happen. And God really challenged me through the voice of my lovely wife who decided to turn up to one of these games and she was horrified by my behavior on the court. What made it worse was that all our team called me pastor on the court. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm telling them, hey, boys, boys, no need to call me pastor, man. It's all good, man. Just call me Steve. It's fine. Uh, but I think that was the reason to justify my behavior so no one would know, right? Because I think sometimes when we act in a way that we know maybe is not honoring to Jesus, if nobody knows we're a Christian, then it's okay. So I was telling them, don't call me pastor because then it will justify my behavior and it will make it okay. Because if no one knows I'm a Christian, then all good. But I got really challenged by one, firstly, my wife, when she spoke and said that, I chose to just, uh, just get behind me, devil. And, uh, but uh, anyway, she, but then I realized, no, there's always wisdom in what your wife says, and, and she's wiser than I am. And so I felt to just really take a hold of her correction in my life. And, uh, and, and, but not only that, I really felt God challenged me over the coming weeks about this behavior, about how the fact, am I bringing honor to the name of Jesus Christ when I'm talking back to the referee? We tell our kids not to talk back to us. We tell them not to talk back to authority. So I really felt God challenged me about that. And so I went on a journey over the next little while to say, God, just really help strengthen me in this area. God, give me the ability to be able to just calm down and, 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 and not get all, all you know, overreactive and all of that kind of stuff so that I can actually bring honor to your name in this area. Because God, I know you're not just interested in the fact that I would honor you here on a Sunday, but you're interested in the, whether or not I'd honor you every other day of the week. And this was an area of my life that I, I was really challenged by. And I'm pleased to say that over the last two seasons, I haven't got one technical. Now I'm having to just calm some of our other boys down, not naming names, Nathan Randall. And, uh, but you see, God really challenged me about, would I live that type of lifestyle? Would I choose to allow my life in every aspect to bring honor to that name, which is Jesus Christ? I'd love to tell us a story tonight out of the Bible in Daniel 6, verse 1 to 5. We all know the story. It's the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and I'm going to read part of it in a moment. And, and for a lot of us, we know it for the fact that God came through for Daniel in the midst of being in that lion's den, in the midst of, you know, when most other, every other person would get eaten up by the lions, but yet God saved him because he chose to, to do what was right before God. But I don't want to focus on that part of the story. I want to focus on what happened before, because I believe what Daniel did before that really allowed the miracle hand of God to happen that really allowed God's protection to come around his life when he was in the midst of the lion den. It was because of what he had done before that set him up to walk in his breakthrough. Daniel 6 verse 1 to 5 says, Darius decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. I wish I had interests to protect, but anyway... Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and the high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling the government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, 
and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance to find grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. It's amazing that as Daniel lived life in a way that was honoring to the name of Jesus, when he was placed in this position of authority and he was given this responsibility, he did everything that he could to make sure that the way he handled the king's interests, the way, the way that he handled the things that the king had placed over him, that he'd given him responsibility for, Daniel made sure that he, he looked after that to the best of his ability. He didn't just bail early because no one was around and looking. He didn't take some of the king's, you know, I'm sure he won't miss this. He's got lots of all this good stuff. I'm sure he won't miss that. But it says that they found nothing that they could pin on him. It's interesting that when he started to be risen up and the king started to look at Daniel and started to see how well he would, how faithful he was in the, in the things that the king had given him, that he then looked at Daniel and said, wow, this is someone who I can trust. This is someone who I can give more to. But yet the other officers and the officials, they weren't happy about that. They were jealous because they weren't being lifted up above, uh, you know, that they wanted that opportunity. So as they tried to find something they could pin on Daniel, the Word of God says they couldn't find anything. What are you like in your workplace? What are you like in your school? With the things you've been given responsibility for, with the entrustments that either your boss or your teacher or your parents or whoever it is have given you, do you give 110%? Do you do what you do as if you're doing it unto Jesus Christ? Because you see, it's easy for us at times to say, yeah, but I don't like my work. I don't like my boss. I don't like, he's mean to me. They don't pay me very good, very good money or anything like that. So who cares if I just leave a little bit early? Who cares if I don't do, you know, I've just done a job. Oh, it'll do. It's not my best. No, I wouldn't be happy with that if that was in my house. But hey, you know, who cares? They pay me stink money anyway. So whatever. The question is, is that bringing honor to the name of Jesus? Because when they looked at Daniel's life, they couldn't find anything. Then it goes on, it reads a little bit further. As they try, they went to the king, they said, Hey king, why don't you, why don't you just, uh, why don't you do this little, little cool, cool, uh, put this law in place for 30 days? I reckon you'd uh, love this king, got this good idea. I reckon you'd, you'd really like it if uh, for 30 days we make this law that nobody can worship anybody else, no other god, no other king, no other person, nothing except for you, king. He's like, Yeah, sounds pretty good. Knowing that then Daniel would have to choose. Knowing that he had a relationship with God, that he worshipped him, that he bowed down to him, that he prayed to him three times a day. Knowing all of that stuff about Daniel, that then Daniel would have a choice to make. So they tried to trap Daniel. Because they couldn't find anything else to pin on him. The king was like, yeah, that was a good idea. The king loved Daniel. He thought Daniel was awesome, but he didn't think about the consequences of this law being put into place. He says, yeah, do it. Stamps puts a seal on it. They make this law. Then we pick up the story in verse 10. When Daniel learnt of the law that had been signed, he went home. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with the windows wide open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. If I was in Daniel's shoes, I would have probably still prayed. I would have done it with the window closed, though. 
I would have done it behind closed doors so nobody else could see me, thinking that, man, I'm still bringing honor to the name of Jesus. I'm still putting Jesus first. I'm still worshiping him. But yet Daniel said, no, no, my lifestyle has been such that I would pray three times a day that I would do it with the window wide open, that I would allow my relationship with God to be seen, so to be, to be wide open so that everybody could see And when the law came in place, he said, man, I'm not going to change what I do. I'm now not going to go into hiding. I'm now not going to choose to take my relationship with God, which has been out there for everyone to see and go and bring it behind closed doors. Because that's what the enemy wants sometimes. The enemy will put pressure on you to hide the fact that you're a Christian. Sometimes when you're at school or you're, you're, you're at university or in your workplace, and things are going on and jokes are being made and people are hassling Christianity and, and all of this kind of stuff. Or, or they're just talking about stuff that you know that we don't, we don't agree with. Sometimes we can choose to say, whoa, what should I do in this moment? I know for me at times I've, I've actually I've stepped back and I've said, whoa, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be hassled. I don't, don't want to put myself out there and, 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 and you know, just be ridiculed for being a Christian, all that kind of stuff. So instead of speaking out and instead of standing up for what's right, I actually... I'm going to take a step back. Daniel didn't choose to do this. With the window wide open, knowing what the consequence would be, he still continued to pray. He still continued to fall to his knees. When times are tough, when we feel like it, when we don't feel like bringing honor to the name of Jesus, when you feel that you have to hide the fact that you're a Christian, can I say, I wonder if that's just the enemy trying to derail you a little bit. I wonder if that's because the enemy knows that God's got a plan and God's got something that's going on in that circumstance. And and when we feel like we need to hide the fact that we're a Christian, can I dare say that that's the time we need to stand up even more? That that's the time we need to to choose to to, to declare the fact that we are a Jesus lover? To declare the fact that we would stand up for what is right. To declare the fact that we would bring honor to his name through our lifestyle, through the way that we live. Let's not be Christians that would choose to hide, but be Christians that would choose to stand up. It's easy for us to honor God on a Sunday or at home, but how do we do the rest of the time of the week? What are we like at work, at school, at uni, when we're hanging out with our mates, when we're playing sport? How about when we're in the shops and the cashier person is taking a long time and we're in a rush and we're getting aggro as we're standing in the line and we're starting to rage a little bit on the inside and the next minute we get to the counter and they, the price that they ring up is wrong and then all of a sudden the rage comes out. See, God's interested in those circumstances too. Here's a hard one. What about when we're driving on the road? Oh, Hello. How often do we point people to Jesus? Do we bring honor to his name in those moments? Yeah, but they don't know I'm a Christian. It's true. But Jesus does. He calls us to be a Christian 24-7. I'm often challenged by the fact that I'll just be down at the shops and someone comes and says, Hey, Pastor. I'm like, hey, how you going? I have no idea who they are, but they know who I am. I'm like, whoa, like I wasn't getting aggro at the uh, cash register person at that moment. What about this one? What about when the telemarketer rings you? I have this Melbourne number that rings me all the time. I'd never answer it, but I know what it is. Then one moment, I just got so frustrated. Stop ringing me. Hang up. Didn't bring honor to the name of Jesus in that moment. Felt a little bit better just for a little while after that, but then realized it probably not cool. What about when things are hard? 
when things aren't going the way that we thought they would when answers to prayer haven't yet happened? Do we still choose to honour the name of Jesus? Do we still choose to turn up to church on a Sunday? Do we still choose to get time with him and read our word and pray? Do we still choose to worship him and honour him as if the breakthrough is already there? Because God, man, sometimes he's got the breakthrough just there dangling right in front of us. He says, will you choose to walk in it? But yeah, we're standing here waiting for it to take place because he's no, no, when you praise me, when you worship me in the midst of the unknown, when you worship me in the midst of the storm, then all of a sudden that's as if you're stepping into the new season that you've been praying for. Our life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Our life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Does your life, I'm not talking about here on a Sunday, it's easy. We all love Jesus, it's no problem. What about the rest of the time? Does it cause non-believers to question whether or not they want to live and turn their life to the same thing that you're following? When we honour Jesus, we accurately reflect the character of God. To honour God is to glorify Him for who He is. God doesn't just require us to honour Him outwardly. He also is interested in how we honour Him inwardly. See, it's easy for us to say yes when people in authority ask us to do something that we don't agree with. That maybe we question is even... That we, whether or not we should be doing, we think there could be a better way, whether it be at work, your boss asks you to do something, they want you to do it a certain way, you're like, no, I mean, I reckon this way is better. They're like, no, no, that's cool, but I want you to do it this way. Your parents ask you to do something and you don't want to do it. The person at church, the leaders ask you to do something a certain way and you're like, yeah, 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 but on the inside you think there's a better way. It's one thing for us to say yes, but what about inwardly? What about internally? Do we allow negativity to rise up on the inside of us? Do we allow resentment to fill our hearts? In our minds, are we all of a sudden having to go at them? Yes, not verbally, but inwardly. See, God's looking at the inward side of us as much as he is the outward side of us. He looks at our inward actions just as much. Can I say negativity, if you allow it, will rob you from the inside out, like cancer robs people their life? You see, too often we allow negativity because we don't agree, because we've allowed offence to, to just harbour inside of us, and we continue to just think on that. And you might say, yeah, but man, you don't know what they've done. That's right. Yeah, I understand it's hurt. I understand it was big. I understand it hurt when Dad left, and it's caused your life to spiral down. I understand all of that. But yet we have a choice to either live that way, to live with that hurt, or we have a choice to let it go. Lay it at the foot of the cross and say, God, I'm going to continue to honor you anyway. God, I'm going to continue to walk as though I'm free. God, I recognize the pain. Yes, I need to deal with it. I need you to come. But God, I choose to live differently. I choose to not allow that to rob my life. I choose not to speak negative things. So many people speak negatively. Negativity will rob us. When we have more of Jesus, we have less drama. Less selfishness, less negativity, less complaining, less gossip, less pride, less anger, less of ourselves and more of him. The question is, do we want less of ourselves and more of him? 
we need to connect with Jesus. This is basketball player I mentioned a little bit earlier, Steph Curry. Better than LeBron James, for all the LeBron James lovers. And uh, anyway, Steph Curry is a, uh, he's a devout Christian. And uh, he was brought up in a Christian home where, uh, as a family, when growing up, they would pray and have uh, God time as a family every morning before, the, that, before they go to school, all of that kind of stuff. And, and it's amazing testimony, even when he reached into the basketball league, they always said that he would never amount to anything because he was too short. And then when he did make the NBA, he had ankle injuries and, and all of these things in his first three years of being in the NBA, that they said he would never be anything great because of these things. But yet, his fourth year was his breakout year. And in the end of the fourth year, Nike came up to him and said, hey man, we've got a deal, shoe deal for you. They wanted to sign him up. See, Nike actually have 95.5% of the NBA market locked in when it comes to branding. Most of the NBA players wear Nike shoes. And Nike went to Curry and said, we want to sign you up. But yet Curry chose not to go with Nike. He ended up signing with, a, with another company who was very unknown at that time called Under Armour. And there's a few different reasons why, but Under Armour said to Curry, they said, man, we really see that you're a player of the future. We really see that you're someone that we want our brand to be connected with. So we want to sign you to a deal that was greater than what Nike had. Nike had a chance to match that deal, but they chose not to. They said, we want to actually give you the ability to be able to you know, have a lot of say and input to what we do and to the way we market your shoes and all of that kind of stuff. And the thing that Curry said was this, is that he said, awesome, I want to make sure that every one of my shoes has Philippians 4.13 on it. I can do all things. Why? Because he is a devout Christian. He has used a public market to be able to get his word and his testimony and his story out to people. He writes it on his own shoes before every game when you buy a pair of his uh, curry basketball shoes. They have either 413 on it or inside the tongue, they actually somewhere on the shoe they actually have. I can do all things on there. I love that someone so famous as him who now is one of the best NBA players and they're saying probably one of the best shooters of all time. I love that he was not afraid to allow his relationship with Jesus to go before everybody else. He didn't choose to hide the fact that he was a Christian, whereas I would imagine, I don't know, I'm not a famous sportsman yet, but uh, you know, he, 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 he chose not to, I imagine it would be pretty hard at times. I imagine there'd be a pretty hard environment and pretty intimidating environment to, uh, for you as a Christian to be able to allow that side of you to really come out. Josh Alloway's here tonight, plays for the Tigers. Another guy who brings honour to the name of Jesus, I spent some time with him at times, and man, I'm, I'm blown away, man, by your stand. I'm blown away by the fact that you'll continue to just declare who you are. That is awesome. We need more dudes like you who will stand up in the public arena bringing honour to that name of Jesus Christ. Curry says this. His shoe now is actually the best-selling active, uh, best-selling shoe of any active NBA player. Jordan's one of the, is the only one that's better, better than his. Amazing. Here's this. I know why I play the game, and it's not to score 30 points a night, but it's to use the stage that I'm on, that I've been put here for a specific purpose, to be a witness and to share my testimony as I go through it. Mark 5:16. in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. See, when the world around us is full of a whole bunch of bad stuff, how about we let our good deeds shine out? 
1 Corinthians 8 verse 9 be, uh, but you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others but the weaker conscience, conscience to stumble. I love this verse. And uh, for me, my personal, something that I have really applied to my life, and this is my own personal stance, is when it comes to around drinking, there's a whole lot of people, is it right, is it wrong, what does the Bible say about it, all that kind of stuff. We know that the Bible says don't be drunk. But, you know, the other stuff is whatever. But for me personally, my conviction around this is that, this is my conviction, it's not your, you don't have to adopt this or anything like this, is just what God has spoken to me about. That I really felt God a while ago say to me, and it was when I was reading this verse, don't allow your, what you do to cause other people to stumble. So I'm a pastor and, and have been for a number of years, and I really felt God say that if, people, if you're in public and somebody sees you drinking, although you may only be having one, which is fine, what does that cause someone else to do? Because people may not see the fact you're only having one, they'll see the fact that you're a pastor and you're drinking, and then therefore, does that then give them permission to drink? Not realizing that you're just having one. So therefore then they drink and they end up having too many. I don't want my life to be one that would cause other people to stumble. That's my personal, something that God spoke to me about. So therefore, I apply that to my life. Same thing when I was playing basketball. I felt, God, would you not allow the things that you're doing causing other people to stumble? How about you? What are the things that God would convict you about when it comes to the way you live? You see, we've got to live out of God's conviction for us personally. No good living out of my conviction because that's my conviction. What's your conviction? What's God speaking to you about? What are the things that God's asking you to stand up for? He might not be asking me to stand up for those things, but he might be asking you to stand up for them. Thank you for listening to this life-transforming message. For service times, upcoming events, or to find out more about Inspire Church, log on to inspirechurch.com.au.